there beautiful family and welcome back to part two of this long journey that we have titled The Journey. Just a reminder, we're going over the five core books of Ellen White. And today we're going we're continuing Patriarchs and Prophets, chapter two, which is titled The Creation. In chapter one, we discuss why did God permit it sin, permitted sin to you know, spread in heaven and continue its work. And in this chapter, we're going to be talking about creation. Let's let's start our study here. I promise that this will be short sessions, short videos, short podcasts, because the intention of this entire discussion is to awaken your curiosity so that you can go ahead and read the books. All right. So chapter two, the creation. Of course, as you can imagine from the Bible, and, and clearly you get it from this book, God created the universe. God created the world. So there's different topics at hand in this chapter that are all very important. The first one is the origin of the universe, the origin of the earth, the origin of life in planet Earth as we know it. And of course, God made everything perfect. When we read the book of Genesis, we see every time God finishes creating something, it says, and God saw that it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and everything was good. <clears throat> and of course, the touch of his majesty, the, the tip of his creation was you and me, were humans that he made in his image and in his character. And he did not create humans out of his word. He didn't say, let there be humans, and there were humans. He came down personally on his knees and got his fingers dirty in the dirt and mold us and breathed life into us. And, and if you can imagine that first, you know, scene there where Adam opened his eyes and the first thing that he sees is God's face just staring at him. That must have been an out of the world experience. Imagine the closeness, the proximity that God wanted to have with us humans. And of course, he made sure that we had everything that we need, every fruit available, every vegetable available, which by the way, speaks about health and diet and what was God's original diet plan for us. But everything that God created was perfect for us. Green mountains, which we know green is a color that gives peace to the human mind, like the, the fruits, the colors, the flowers, like crystal clear water, animals that don't eat each other, but that live peacefully among them and that also ate, you know, vegetables. And, and you, it, it was just perfection. It was just perfection. And it says here, after the air with his steaming animal and vegetable life had been called into existence, man, the crowning work of the creator, as we said, and the one for whom the beautiful earth had been fitted was brought upon the stage of action. So God created the perfect home and then put us there in it. And, you know, it was beautiful. And I love it because she makes a quick comment here on biology. And it says, the genealogy of our race as given by inspiration traces back its origin, not to a line of developing germs, mollusks, and quadrupeds, but to the great creator. The message here is you're not a product of evolution. You did not came from one random bacteria that evolved magnificently. God created you. God created you in his image, in his character, 
you, as I says here, you are the crowning work of creation. That's that's what God did for us. I mean, it's just amazing that the amount of proximity and love that is expressed here in these words when God created man. But it continues. Man was to bear God's image, but in outward resemblance and in character. <clears throat> and then it takes a, a shift from the perfection of the home that God created to the perfection of the marriage. So there's a marriage lesson here to be learned too. And it says, Eve was created from a rib taken from the side of Adam, signifying that she was not to control him as the head, not to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal, to be loved and protected by him. And then he continues saying, when the divine principles are recognized and obeyed in this relation, marriage is a blessing. Do you hear that? Contrary to popular opinion nowadays, marriage is a blessing. It's a gift of God. He continues saying, it guards the purity and happiness of the race. It provides for man's social needs. It elevates the physical, the intellectual, and the moral nature. I don't even know how to continue speaking about marriage. This pretty much says it all. Marriage was created for man and woman to be in a loving, perfect relationship that elevate both of them and where both are treated as equals. I know that the Bible talks about the man being the head of the, of the house, but we have to remember that in God's original plan and in God's, the, love, the kind of love that God expects from us is a God that provides freedom, which we'll talk about in a minute again. So in a perfect ideal marriage, God's intention was the man as the head of the house, but as the head, as a man who loved his wife, a man who truly loved his wife, it's not going to control her. It's, it's, when it says the head of the house, it's not talking about controlling. It's talking about equal levelness. Okay? So that's very important. So he talked definitely about marriage. And then he continues talking about Sabbath. So we have the origin of the universe, the origin of life, marriage, and now it goes into Sabbath. So God created everything in six days. We believe these were six literal days and rested on the Sabbath. And this is why the six literal days, because there's a week and then on the seventh day is the Sabbath. So God rested on the Sabbath day and he blessed that day because he rested and then made it up for us. So today we've seen a huge effort on you know, on religious leaders to try to shift the Sabbath to the Sunday Sunday day. That's another topic. But God original, God's law and God's original plan was always Sabbath, not Sunday. Sabbath is the rest day. So obviously God sanctified the Sabbath and he says, God intends that the Sabbath shall direct the minds of men to the contemplation of his created works. And of course, uh, once you finish talking about the Sabbath, it touches again very quick on the topic of love. Without freedom of choice, his obedience will not have been voluntary, but forced, talking about Adam and Eve. And once again, as we saw in chapter one, we see the concept of freedom. Love necessitates freedom. So God created man, he gave him the freedom, and man had the choice 
the ability to disobey the creator. He did not create man so that he could only obey his law. He created free to choose. And of course, with this came the introduction of the three um, <clears throat> that they shouldn't have eaten, which we'll talk about in the next chapter. So <clears throat> it says, in the surroundings of the holy pair was a lesson for all time. True happiness is found not in the indulgence of pride and luxury. It's talking about not Black Friday. It's not talking about shopping. It's not talking about having the biggest house or the latest car or having the best internet speed or having uh, Gucci bags. No, 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 no. True happiness is found not in the indulgence of pride and luxury, but in communion with God through his created works. So basically everything that surrounded Adam and Eve the nature, the fruits, the animals, the, the marriage, his partner, the freedom, everything, everything pointed to God and his creative works and the love that God had for us. And that, that is where true happiness is found. It says pride and ambition are never satisfied, but those who are truly wise will find substantial and elevating pleasure in the sources of enjoyment that God has placed within the reach of all. And this pretty much summarizes chapter two, again, the creation. Go read the book. It's, it's definitely, I encourage you to, to do it, but that this is a snippet of what you'll be reading. And once again, once you, once you read through, or even from this talk, you realize that God is certainly love, which are the three words that the book actually commences with. God is love. Always have, always will. Until next time.